This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. of Edgar Rice Burroughs' gripping book. Come on! Come on! You went that way! No, wait a minute, Jaden! Don't shoot again! I tell you, I saw him! The ape man, whoever he is! Monsieur! What is the matter? The ape man, and here we are wasting time! But surely, Monsieur would not shoot! I did shoot! But Clayton listen to reason! Don't you understand? I intend to get him, and that's all there is to it! One moment! Monsieur, I believe that I was placed in charge here! That is correct! Then if I am to be in command, I will be obeyed! As far as your sailors are concerned, yes! But you have no right to order me! Monsieur Clayton! I have only one thing to do here. That my impetuous friend is to rescue Monsieur Le Professeur's daughter. If anyone interferes with the possible success of that enterprise, then I will take the necessary steps. Take what steps you please, Lieutenant. I'm going. Silence! If you do not obey me, Monsieur Clayton, I am sorry, but I will find myself compelled to order you aboard the cruiser. And regretfully, very regretfully, clap you in iron. Come, Clayton, you're distraught. Upset, I don't blame you. If Lieutenant Darnell understood that you were um, very fond of Jane... Monsieur Clayton, I am entirely impersonal. You have shouldered the responsibility of, of keeping your party intact. Eh bien, you are tired. I am fresh. It is only fair that I should now assume that responsibility. Well, very well. I'm sorry. Uh, mais non, 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 pas du tout. That is not necessary, monsieur. It is already forgotten. Clayton, will you uh, permit me to point out to you something that is very foolish? Yes, certainly. You, Clayton, are determined in your stand that this ape man, uh, jungle fellow, whatever you please to call him, has kidnapped Jane. I'm convinced that I'm right. And you have every right to your conclusions. But we, the professor, Lieutenant Darnold and myself, all are agreed that the blacks are responsible. Now, Clayton... 
Don't you think that in deference to the majority, you should say nothing more? Very well. I will say nothing more. And also, my friend, if you were correct, then killing this man, the only man in your belief who knows where Jane is, well, Clayton, in short, it's not good judgment. Yes, I suppose you're right. Uh, uh, what is all right, Clayton? I, I was quite lost in, in thoughts about my poor Jane. Uh, uh, did I hear you speak of the blacks? Uh, was it some of those aborigines you shot at? Oh, no, it was nothing, Professor. Uh, I thought I saw something in the trees, but I was entirely mistaken. Uh, I was afraid... No, 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 Paul, there was nothing, nothing at all. Come on, we'll go into the hut, prepare for our journey. Waiting Tarzan's return, hears the distant report of Clayton's rifle. Momentary panic seizes the girl. What can it be? Her father, Philander, Clayton, or... The very thought freezes her. White skin. She looks about her. The jungle that had been almost friendly only a moment ago now seems fraught with a thousand dangers. If white skin should never come back... Again, Jane Porter's eyes search the jungle depths. To be left alone. To die here... Her head. Sees Tarzan, and with a cry of relief, she stretches out both arms toward the ape. Oh, my skin. I, I was so afraid. I heard a shot. I didn't know what had happened. I thought you might have been killed. Oh, I don't know what I thought. Overcome by relief, Jane talks on, forgetting that Tarzan can't understand one word. But Tarzan does understand her mood, and holds the girl close to him, soothing and caressing her as one would a frightened child. Jane looks up at the ape man. And here I am. Talking on and on, and you don't understand a thing I'm saying. But you, you haven't any idea how glad I am to see you. How I long for you to come back. White skin, come back. Come back, quick. Yes, I suppose you have. But it seemed like centuries to me. White skin, sit down. Sit down, white skin. Sit down. Sit down. Jane releases herself from Tarzan's arms and, taking him by the hand, motions him to sit beside her. Down. Sit down. That's right. Say it over again. Over? Again? Over again. <laughs> no, white skin. Sit. Sit down. Sit down. White skin, sit down. That's it. And suiting the action to the words, Tarzan seats himself beside Jane Porter. I wish you could tell me what had happened. Did you put out the fire? And what was that shot? 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 Yes, shot. Bang, bang. Jane raises her arms as if holding a rifle when she says bang, bang. Tarzan's eyes gleam. He raises his hand and passes it quickly past his head. Shot. Shot. Bang, bang. Again, the ape man brushes his ear with his hand. You, white skin, someone shot you? Someone, someone shot white skin. Into Tarzan's mind flashes the memory of Clayton and the raised rifle. 
Tarzan has learned enough about firearms to realize that they signify death. His eyes become clouded, his brows wrinkled. Why should this white man, this man he has saved from Sheeta the leopard, try to kill him? He had thought that these men were different from the men that had come from the thing that floated upon the water, but Tarzan shakes his head. How oh, I wish I knew what had happened. If I only could make you understand. If only I could make you understand that I must get to that hut. Hut? Hut? Yes, the hut. And Jane at last has got Tarzan to say the word hut, but has no way that she can think of actually could to convey the meaning of the word. falls away to the west. All afternoon, the sailors have carried supplies from the cruiser to the hut, and Professor Porter, Philander, and Clayton watch with satisfaction the final preparations for departure. Uh, uh, soon it will be dark, and tomorrow, tomorrow we'll see us well on our way into the jungle. Yes, Professor, and we're on our way towards finding Jane, I hope. I'm so nervous. I know it sounds ridiculous, but this waiting is doing nothing. Yes, Clayton, we know. By the way, Clayton, it's barely possible we shall not return here. Don't you think that you should take Grace Stokes' diary and papers with you? Oh, uh, thanks, Flander. I hadn't thought of that. Hi, Joe. This tin box has been moved. A porter. Flander. Yes, Stokes' diary. It's gone. Well, you must have placed it somewhere else, Clayton. No one would think of it. I'm sure I did not. I know that I left it here, in this box. Let us let us look about the hat. Can it can be of no possible use to anyone but you, Clayton? What is this? No, no, this is one of the other books. No, it's gone. After all, there are not many places in this bare cabin where it could be hidden. Very mysterious. Very mysterious, Clayton. Uh, are you positive that you did not take it with you at some time and, and, and lose it? Absolutely not. In fact, just before Jane uh, disappeared, I was looking at it. I placed it in this box. I know I did. Of course, it's possible that Jane placed it somewhere else. Uh, yes, Philander, that, that is true. But where? It's not in the cupboard nor in the bunk here. Certainly not on the shelf. No. I know where it is. You do? Yes. And you both laugh at me when I tell you. Well, the only man interested is Tarzan of the Apes. He took it. I'm sure the jungle man I fired at was Tarzan of the Apes. You, you fired at him? You fired at... Tarzan of the Apes? Yes. He was going across the clearing when we came back from the boat. I'm more certain than ever now that it is with him that we shall find Jane. But Clayton... All right, Flander. I have no more idea than you have as to what he could want with the diary. But I'm just as sure yes, as I'm ready. Yes. Well, Donna, are we ready to start? In a very little time, monsieur. I think that we had perhaps better rest and be ready to leave at sunrise, which, my friends, is not so very distant. Oh, it seems very stuffy tonight. I was thinking, uh, tell me, Lieutenant, will your men be carrying supplies all night? Ah, but yes, monsieur. Uh, then I suggest that we leave this door open, since there's no danger with the sailors moving about. Excellent idea, Clayton. Come, Porter. You too, Clayton. Let us get some rest. The jungle night, somber, stifling, menacing, closes in. The curling fog rolls in from the sea and hangs in murky banks of blackness along the jungle fringe. Suddenly, quietly, a shadow, black and fantastic, detaches itself from the surrounding gloom. Closer and closer to the hut it creeps. Now it stands up. It's a man. Slowly, he draws an arrow from the quiver at his back 
fits it to the bowstring, his gleaming eyes on Clayton, and pulls. <gasps> Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha! Uh -huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! With an exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy! <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as 11 dollars per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. of Edgar Rice Burroughs' fascinating book. Tell me, Seth Port, close that door, someone! What was it? I'm not sure. I believe it's an arrow. Monsieur Clayton is right. It is an arrow. Mais, non, non, mon Dieu, professeur, do not touch it. The natives in these parts use poisoned arrows. Whoever it was must be fearless to come so close to the hut. With all these sailors moving about me here on the beach. Not fearless, monsieur. Merely cautious. What is it, Clayton? Eh? Uh, oh, pardon me. Come, come, come Clayton. Me. Out with it. You are not the man to pass remarks without reason. I prefer not to say anything. Uh, but, monsieur Clayton, surely in a matter of such importance to monsieur le professeur... Very well. This arrow is like a dozen others I saw in Tarzan's quiver. Uh, of course, Clayton, you are entitled to your opinion that this jungle man who has rescued us is Tarzan. But on the other hand, how do you explain the fact that the jungle man neither understands nor talks English? Yet, yet we have here a tangible evidence in the shape of a printed warning signed by himself that Tarzan does understand English... And, and quite well, too. I don't pretend to be able to explain it. I feel it. Incidentally, I'm probably wrong in all of my deductions. But if, if this jungle man is not the one who fired the arrow, then who is? This is my explanation. Le cannibal. Then if the cannibal shot the arrow, and since I myself have seen similar arrows in the ape-man's quiver, it seems reasonable to assume that the ape-man has some contact with the cannibal. As to that, of course, we cannot answer. No. Exactly. I shall go and question the men as to whether or not any of them saw anything. But I think not. 
If they had, I feel sure they would have mentioned it. You, you bring up a very important point, Clayton. Very important. Very disconcerting. Very disconcerting. Because it disconcerted me was the reason I was loath to mention it. But we might as well face the fact. It's all very puzzling. For the life of me, I cannot see why this man should have been so solicitous about our welfare and then act in the manner you suggest, Clayton. Except that, of course, Clayton fired at him last night and he may have returned to avenge himself. No. Sorry, Philander. But that is not the answer either. You see, the fellow, when I fired at him, disappeared into the tree. If he had wished to kill me, he would have done it then, comfortably, without fear of detection. Uh, yes, yes, Clayton, uh, you're right. And that makes it all the more reasonable that the arrow was shot by one of the blacks. But great Scott, Professor, we've been here for weeks and have never seen hide nor hair of the blacks. And now, because of two or three footprints and a poisoned arrow, we jump to the conclusion that the jungle is infested with cannibals. Very true, Clayton. And very puzzling. Very, very puzzling. Uh, of course, Philander. <laughs> of course, we, we mustn't discount that drumming we heard the day before Jane was captured. Oh, that's quite right. And also, we have Darno's word for it, that there are cannibals quite close at hand. All that puzzles me is... Why have we not seen or heard them before? Monsieur, the men saw and heard nothing, but we have discovered footprints and many of them. Then, if Jane is in the hands of the blacks, she must be nearby. In a very short time, it will be daylight. We shall follow them the trail, and I pray the bon Dieu will grant us success. Over the jungle, the tropic dawn flings myriad fingers of iridescent light. Jane Porter, in the rude shelter built for her by Tarzan, wakes and lies listening to the muted voice of the wakening jungle. fog of the night before has disappeared, and the patch of sky above shows hard and bright. Down by the waterhole, jungle beasts make way for the majestic bulk of Tantor, the elephant. Jane brushes aside the leafy screen of her resting place and looks out. Tarzan is gone. She rises and moves out onto the platform, looks about her. There, coming through the middle terrace, his arms piled high with fruit, is Tarzan. Good morning, Whiteskin. You're up early. Early? The ape's man lays the fruit on the mossy carpet and springs into the branches. Tenderly, he lifts Jane and gracefully, easily carries her to the ground. Jane, hungry. Eat? Yes, white skin. Jane, hungry. Eat. Together, they sit down to a breakfast of wild fruit. The heir to the Greystoke land and titles. And this American girl, Jane Porter, who believes that Cecil Clayton is the heir to Greystoke and that somewhere in this wild jungle, Clayton, her father, and Philander are searching for her. Jane holds a wild plum toward Tarzan. Plum, white skin? Plum. Plum? Plum. Plum, 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 plum. White skin, eat plum. <laughs> white skin, you learn easily, quickly. Quick, quickly? Quickly. Yes, white skin, but you have a little difficulty with that one. One? Yes, one. Jane holds up one finger, then two. 
and repeats the numbers alternately. One, two. One, two. One, two. One, two. One, two. Jane, one. White skin, one. Jane, white skin, two. That's it. Now you started to count. Count? No. No, 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 no. That, that's too hard. Jane picks up the quiver of arrows that Tarzan has laid aside when he sat down to eat. The ape man quickly takes them from her. Drawing one of the arrows from the quiver, he points to the darkly smudged tip. Kill. Kill quick. Kill. Poisoned? Tarzan looks puzzled. He has just learned the word kill. Used it as he believes in the proper sense. And now, he looks inquiringly at Jane. Yes, white skin. Kill. Jane makes a gesture of repugnance as she thrusts the arrow from her, but Tarzan springs to his feet, turns, and helps Jane to hers. He takes the bow and, fitting an arrow to the string, motions to the girl to stand in front of him. Jane grips the bow. Tarzan places his hand about hers. One, two. I understand. One, two. And Tarzan repeats the one, two as he places Jane's first finger above the arrow, the second below it, and pulls the bowstring taut. While Jane is receiving her first lesson in archery, Clayton, Professor Porter, Philander, and the sailors under Lieutenant Darno start on their safari. Well, in some ways, I'm sorry to see the end of this hut, and in others... I'm glad. Inactivity drives me wild. We can't find Jane hanging around this hut. Uh, Yes, Clayton. Doing, doing anything, no matter how useless it appears, is better than thinking, thinking... Thinking all the time. Abia, are we ready, monsieur? The ship will leave in just a little time to go back down the coast. Right, right here, uh, Quite ready. Allo, mes enfants. Chacun à sa porte. I will close the door. I think it's better. Yes, Philander. Although there is something final about closing a door. Still, I think perhaps we had better leave it as we found it. Come on. You don't want to get separated? Come All in, right, Clayton. We'll Come be right in. with you. We'll be right with you. While Jane Porter has been practicing with bow and arrow, she's been actively turning her over in her mind phrases and words with which she can convey to white skin as she calls Tarzan, not knowing that he is Tarzan, phrases that will let him understand her wish that she must return to the hut. White skin! Jane! Tarzan lowers the bow. Jane steps close to him. She pretends to struggle with him, raising and lowering her arm as though her hand held a knife. She enacts the scene of Tarzan's killing of Turkos. White skin! Kill! Eat! Jane! White skin! Go! Go quickly. White skin, kill. Turquoise. Jane. White skin, go. Go quickly. Yes, yes, but, but, oh, if I could only make you understand. For the moment, Jane stands undecided. If only she had some way to get white skin's mind directed toward the hut. Quickly, she thinks again of the various words white skin has learned. The fire. It, it couldn't have been the hut. White skin would have been upset. What could it have been? The beacon. The beacon Clayton built. That's it. Then... Then there must be a ship. White skin. White skin. Jane, go. Fire. 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 Tarzan indicates the fire was blown out. Yes, yes. Fire out. Jane, white skin, go. Fire. Tarzan grasps the meaning. He bends down, picks Jane gently from her feet, and leaps into the low-hanging branches. 
swiftly, unerringly, from branch to branch, vine to vine, the ape man carries the girl upward and onward. What is that? A ship. Ship? Yes, yes, a ship. Oh, we may be rescued after all. Oh, hurry, White Skin, hurry. Hurry. Yes, go, go quickly. And Tarzan, understanding Jane's excitement, speeds with her in his arms toward the hut and the ship. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. from out the pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' wonderful book. I am sure, monsieur, the blacks must have camped here for the night. Voila! Signs of a fire. And there, a broken gourd. Then if it was one of this party who shot the arrow, he probably left the camp. And indulged in a little archery practice, Clayton? <laughs> That's as good a reason for Landers any idea. Monsieur, you must not seek for reason in what these blacks do. They have a mentality far below that of a six-year-old child, and their reasoning, tonnerre, it is nothing. Uh, uh, then, uh, Monsieur Darno, you infer that if one of them decided to shoot an arrow into the hut, he would do it? Oui, Monsieur, that is precisely my meaning, and I believe there are from 40 to 50 of them in the party. In which case, we should be able to handle them nicely. Mais non, Monsieur, even if we outnumbered them ten to one... Here in the jungle, they are at home. Very much at home. But surely our rifles against their bows and arrows, even if the arrows are for Ah, Monsieur Clayton, of what use is a rifle if one cannot see that which one wishes to shoot? These blacks move as silently as the night itself. They will hide in the trees and pick us off one by one if we permit them to do so. Uh, then it would seem that the most sensible thing for us is not to get separated. It is our only chance, except that I am using éclaireur, what you call scouts, who will warn us of approach. And now, monsieur, a request. Yes, what is it? No matter what the circumstance, no matter what you believe to be the provocation, as long as I am with you, do not shoot without my orders. Great Scott, man. We can't stand idly by and watch if we're attacked. We shall not stand idly by, mon ami. But I am the only member of the party who speaks the dialect. I would much prefer to talk my way out of any situation. But if that should fail, alors, we fight. Uh, you have my word, Lieutenant. And mine, Dono. Et vous, Monsieur Clayton? I suppose so, Dono. Although I feel that I can use discretion. Je vous remercie. I knew I could depend upon Monsieur Clayton. Then, it is agreed, we will be as quiet as possible. But there are places we will be forced to cut our way through. Jungle so dense that it seems like an impossible barrier. Uh, by the way, Darno, uh, in case of a poisoned arrow, uh, uh, 
what is the poison and what the antidote, if any? A very wise question, Monsieur le Professeur. The poison, I do not know. It is made from herbs. It is a fluid which, if it comes in contact with one oh-so-little a wound, is death. Regular witch's brew. <laughs> I do not know what that is, our witch's brew. But to save oneself, a tight bandage above and below the wound and a sharp knife to cut away the poisoned flesh. And if it becomes necessary to suck the poison from the wound? Then, wash out the mouth with this solution which I always carry in my medical kit or some of this very strong French brandy as a mouthwash. Uh, we shall remember it. I wouldn't mind a little of that French brandy. Overstimulation, my dear Philander, I have always told you, is highly injurious. For myself, I'll risk the injury. To Jane Porter, carried along at unbelievable speed in Tarzan's arms, the distant blast of the steamer's siren brings conflicting emotions. It signalizes the rescue of her father, Philander, Clayton, and herself. What does she wish to be rescued? She looks up into the ape-man's face. The fine features, unmarred by dissipation, were her guarantee that he would never harm her. And she's strangely content. On and on they speed through what appears to be a solid mass of verdure, yet scarcely a leaf touches her, as if by magic the way seems to open before this forest god. We must be close, White Skin. Without slackening his speed, Tarzan looks down into Jane's face. Close? Close? Yes, White Skin. Close. Sunlight suddenly pours through the breaks in the trees. They're at the clearing. Tarzan holds Jane with one strong bronzed arm as he drops quickly from limb to limb to the ground. Jane opens her eyes to find herself on the moss-carpeted jungle floor. She points through the more openly spaced trees. The hut! There's the hut! Hut? Yes. Yes, White Skin, the hut. Jane, go hut. White Skin, go hut. Tarzan slowly shakes his head. An indescribable longing overcomes the ape-man. This she, Jane, wishes to leave him, to return to her own kind. Come, White Skin, quick, go, hut! Again, Tarzan shakes his head. The law of the jungle is that he should hold her by force. But had he, Tarzan, not killed her, caused the bull ape because he had taken this white she, Jane, by force? Tarzan himself does not know that it is the centuries of breeding, warring against a lifetime spent in the wild and winning, that compels him to act as he does. Jane goes toward the hut. She looks back over her shoulder to Tarzan. Come, white skin. Go to hut. Jane, go to hut. Tarzan stands still, watching. Jane looks out to sea. The steamer is fast disappearing into the blue of the horizon. The steamer! The steamer is going away! Oh, am I too late? Quickly, she runs across the clearing to the hut. Daddy! 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 Empty. Everything gone. Rachel's diary. Gone, too. And all the papers. Oh, that means... That means that Pedro must have taken them with him. It means that I am all alone. Oh, Daddy. Daddy. Why, why couldn't you have waited? Don't left a note. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> 
suppose it's natural. They thought I was dead. And the steamer came. Daddy always said steamers won't wait. So they went. And now, Jane, back to the jungle. And white skin. As Jane Porter drops the locking bar into place, she turns tear tear dimmed eyes toward the departing steamer. To her, not knowing that her father, Philander, Clayton, and Darno are in the jungle, the disappearing steamer means the cutting of the last tie between herself and civilization. She glances behind her at the hut. She would much rather live there than in the treetops, but her whole safety, her very life, now depends on white skin. Oh, white skin, you'll have to look after me. You're all I've got. Jane runs across the clearing and throws herself into the ape man's arms. Tarzan holds the weeping girl to him. Gently he smooths the tumbled curls. Tarzan cannot talk, cannot say what is in his heart, but he understands. Jane has been hurt. Not a hurt that can be bathed in cooling water, but a hurt that only words can help. And Tarzan does not have the words. Jane, go quick. White skin, go quick. Tarzan sweeps his hand toward the treetops. Jane looks up at him and tries to smile through the tears. The events of the past week stumble through her mind. Surely not events to cry about, she thinks. If white skin had not saved her father from the lion, if he'd not saved her from Turkos, oh, surely she can depend upon white skin to be her protector. Jane, go quick. White skin, go quick. Yes, white skin. Jane, white skin, go quick. And with the unruffled mien that characterizes this lost heir to the house of Greystoke, Tarzan lifts Jane from her feet, grasps a trailing vine, and easily, gracefully swings Jane with him into the trees. Meanwhile, far off in the ever-increasing denseness of the jungle, Darno's safari cut and hacked their way. Oh, utterly impossible to find one's way without a compass. You're right, Clayton. Almost unbelievable. The thickness of this tall grass. Uh, and, Philander, equally unbelievably. Uh, it will soon be dark, and to move in the dark is to invite disaster. And so, monsieur, it is the hero that for tonight we shall cast. Oh, as late as that? Really, I hadn't thought so. Uh, monsieur Clayton has labored valiantly. That is why the time has passed so quickly. Come, mes enfants, on bivouac. It is here that we will spend the night. Uh, I hate to admit it, but I am tired. Take a good night's rest, Clayton. <laughs> and some strong coffee, Clayton, will work wonders. Uh, I'm not so sure about a fire here. Oh, Adano, what about a fire? Safe, I think, now. I have not heard anything of the black... <laughs>
tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs and Trancing Book. Weirdest thing I've ever heard. What do you suppose it can be? It is impossible to say, Monsieur Clayton. Different tribes have different methods of producing such sounds. To me, at least, it doesn't sound human. Uh, no, Philander, it, it is distinctly mechanical. Uh, sort of compelling, too, don't you think? But yes, Monsieur Le Professor, that is its purpose. To entice you away from your friends, to follow it, and then, voila, believe. No, no. You're acquainted with their methods. What do you make of the noise? Two things, Monsieur Platon. First, that they know where we are. Second, that knowing where we are and not attacking us leads me to believe that we outnumber them. Or else, they would not use this sound. They would attack at once. Very logical explanation, but, but Damlo, what do we do? That thing at first, on. we cannot go to sleep. That would be foolish. We cannot light a fire to make a mark of ourselves, but we must watch for the wild beast. But we can't stay here forever. We must do something. Damlo, when these blacks find that we are not to be lured by their witch doctor sounds and that we are watchful, they will go. And when they move, we shall follow. Uh, no matter how much the weird sounds might appeal to, to my penchant for investigation, I should never voluntarily follow such sounds. Uh, no, not you, Monsieur Le Professor. But the uncultured blacks also have the penchant for investigation. But they lack the intelligence that says, stay where you are. Listen to that. Distinctly uncomfortable feeling, this, of unseen enemies. I may be wrong, monsieur, but that to me signalizes their departure. And then what? We shall settle down for the night, and in the morning we follow. But we have followed. We've caught up with them, in fact, and nothing came of it. What are the Monsieur Clayton, you do not understand these primitive people as do I. If we were to attack them, they would in turn fight until the last man dropped, and then... We should have no other way to discover Mademoiselle Portel's whereabouts except to look and look and look for a cannibal village. For set my told, in this way, mon ami, we leave them unmolested and they lead us where we want to go. Well, I hope you're right. I'm sure after the time that has been... Where is he? Speak! You not here! What is the matter, Pierre? Your men seem to be carrying something. A man! A black man. He seems to be in the last stages of exhaustion. Buona. Buona. Jambo, Tundi. Tuba. Bado kidogo. Buona. Tuba bayasana. Agabaka. Beat mele. Tuba. Inshai. Tuba. Can you understand him, Donna? But yes. He says they be his tribe. 
were badly treated by their white boss on the plantation and were on their way to their native class. Ask him if he knows anything about, about Jane. I'm afraid, Monsieur Le Professeur, there is no use asking him anything more. No, Professor. He is dead. Well, I must have been tortured unmercifully. Look here. There, Monsieur, is the answer to why I have to patrol this coastline. That is a sample of the white man's authority. Uh, you don't need to tell me that, that a white man did this. His skin is white, and he wields powerful political influence. Every so often, some of these blacks rebel, just as this man's tribe evidently did. He said that they were on their way back to their kraal, their village, thought that we might interfere with them, and, well, monsieur, you know as much about the rest as I do. Well... If we have to spend the night here, I propose that we at least make ourselves as comfortable as possible. But yes. Paris, mes enfants, make the fire, and we come. The jungle night closes in, oppressive and sullen. The stifled wind, heavy with the sweetness of jungle flowers, hovers in the denseness of the thicket, stirs lazily the leafy fullness of the tropic trees. On the little platform in the branches, bathed in brilliant moonlight, Jane Porter and Tarzan watch the stars one by one as they cut the velvet darkness of the sky. Both are silent, Jane thinking of her father and trying the next instant to thrust the thought into the background. Tarzan, understanding, feels that when the silence is broken, she must break it. I, I suppose I must get used to it. I, I can hardly realize it yet, that here, in this jungle, I must spend the rest of my life. Life? Life? Oh, <laughs> it's too much for you, white skin. Life for you is simple, primitive. For me, it is, or rather was, quite a complicated affair. Affair? <laughs> That's also too hard, White Skin. Your lessons must be along simpler lines. Look, White Skin. Jane takes Tarzan's grass rope, then the quiver with its arrows, the bow, and holding them one by one, she gives them their names as she points to them. Rope, White Skin. Rope. Rope? Rope? Rope. That's it. And now, this is arrow. Arrow? Arrow? Arrow. Yes. And you shoot the arrow with the bow. 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 Bow, arrow, shoot, kill. Concise and expressive. Now, look. 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 Uh, look is to, uh, to, uh, to, well, well, to look. And Jane, suiting the action to the word, shades her eyes with her hand and peers from side to side. Look. Look. Look, see. Look, see. That's right, White Skin. Look, see. Look, look. Tarzan takes Jane by the arm, points down the jungle trail. Jane's eyes search the gloomy depths of the forest. Tarzan points to a clump of wild bulrushes bordering the lowland where it falls away to the waterhole. A lion? Numa. Numa? Lion? Numa. Lion. Jane watches the king of beasts paddle silently down the trail. Again, Tarzan grips her arm and points to the opposite end of the clearing. Sheeta! Sheeta! Horta! Numa! Sheeta! Kill! Eat! Horta! It's a leopard! 
and aboard. As James says the word water, the boar sent Sheeta and darts in the opposite direction. Numa, feeling that he loses me, bounds forward. Numa and Sheeta, both intent on water, the boar have not seen one another. Jane wants to cover her eyes with her hand, but fascinated, she watches. Sheeta gathers his slim, muscular horses under him. The brute's lips curl back, the long, spotted tail straightens. Sheeta springs. Numa stiffens his four legs, braces his body bolts with a roar of the lion springs. The beasts meet in midair. into the underbrush. Sheeta's tearing working claws dig into Numa's shoulders. Numa thrusts out his four balls out in tremendous strength is bent on keeping the leopard from getting its long claws under the chin. But the cat's jaws snap again and again as Numa's throat. They fall sideways, roll over Numa. Now the leopard's on top. The baleful eyes gleam with the hot voice over which the train of the lion's tawny mane. Numa lashes up to his hind legs. Springs to his feet. One swift, mighty blow of his saw sends the leopard staggering. Before Sheeta can recover, Numa launches himself on the cat's back. The huge mouth opens. Snaps shut on Sheeta's spine. The leopard drops where he stands. Dead. Numa kill Sheeta. Lion kill Sheeta. Yes, yes, I, I suppose it was fair since the leopard attacked first. As Jane Porter watches, Numa, king of the beasts, with one disdainful look at his vanquished enemy, silently, majestically resumes his way to where he will find some other prey, the waterhole. Far off in the black depths of the jungle, Professor Porter, Philander, Clayton, Darno, and the party of sailors under his command await the daybreak. Are you asleep, monsieur? I, for one, am not. I know, Lieutenant. Uh, neither am I. One of my outposts just reported lights moving in the brush. Torch, as he said. Then perhaps we'd better not go to sleep. If you can sleep, monsieur, do so. I have doubled the watch. But sleep with your rifles at your sides, and on any signal of alarm, do not move any more than to rise to your knees. That's very well, Lieutenant. You may depend upon me. Uh, where is the lander? I don't hear his voice. He lay down beside me. He may be asleep. Philander? Uh, Philander? Uh, uh, no matter what circumstances, Philander always uh, could get to sleep. Uh, the number of times I... Not here. What, monsieur? You are sure? Here's where he lay down. Oh, damn! Au revoir! Philander! and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. 
Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' unique book. Philander! Philander! Where are you? He goes behind me, monsieur. Bien. With him what? No, what could Philander be thinking of to wander off this way? Monsieur Philander did not wander off. That is, I do not think so. You think the blacks came into camp and took him? I am sure of it. But he was lying within five feet of me. They couldn't have taken him without my hearing them. Monsieur, in certain parts of this continent, we of the French Navy have the rifles chained to the wrists of our sentries. If not, these natives, they steal upon the sentry and poof, before he can scream, the rifle is gone. Quiet a moment, Lieutenant. Listen. We must be nearer the village than we thought. No, it is not the village that sound. The smaller party has found the larger party. Perhaps a war party or a tribe of hunters. Uh, then what do you propose, Darno? We shall attack. This stealing of one of my safari, it is an affront. An affront against recognized authority. <laughs> Your senses, Donna. They've seen something. Yes. See those flickering of light. Listen, mes enfants. As much as the jungle will permit, we will distribute ourselves in extended order. Upon my signal, we will open fire and aim between the ground and the flame of the torch. This Really close to me, Professor. Very well, Clayton. I feel as if we were getting somewhere at last. Quite so, Clayton. Uh, any sort of action is a talent to our faith. I don't know about the talent, but action suits my government better than so-called much more waiting. Look, Clayton, look. We must be getting close. The flame from the torch is quite distinguishable. Yes. All we're waiting for now is Darno's men to take their positions. Whether or not we are making any headway. There are fewer torches anyway. Ah, here's one left. I got him! I, I don't know for sure, but it is my belief, Clayton that they are running away. I think you're right. Eh, uh, monsieur, we have put them through ropes. Now it is to search. You made quite a cleaning of them, eh, Donna? Ah, but yes. There must have been about a hundred. Uh, but still no trace of Philander. Don't fear. We will find him. 
I believe from the drums that the two parties have not met. Sir, then we routed the other party. But yes, to have allowed them to meet would be fatal. We should never have been able to handle them otherwise. Then do you suggest that we press on now that we have somewhat of an advantage? That, monsieur, is my plan. These blacks do not kill at once. No, the torture is. Well, part of their system. That is so. And torture is only indulged in at the Boma, where all can enjoy the ceremony. Bon chapeautier! Come, messieurs! Let no chapeautier has found a trail in the jungle! My dope! Why not for an elephant trail, I say? Extensively used, no one would believe. But it has not been used by the party we attacked. See, there are no torches, no bodies. But, monsieur, we shall follow this trail nevertheless. shadowy outline of the jungle wall, the moon rises red, round, and full. The giant trees, like the ghosts of sentinels, shiver as the chill wind drifts in off the sea. The jungle is uneasy. Numa, the lion, stands before his lair, tail twitching, muzzle quivering as he tries to catch an elusive scent. Save for Tantor, the elephant, the waterhole is deserted. And even Tantor, who fears neither beast nor man, peers with his little eyes at the rim of deepening shadows that is the jungle's edge. Off on the little platform in the trees, Jane Porter and Tarzan watch the moon rise behind the sweeping purple edge of the distant mountain peaks. Beautiful. Even if the jungle is more dangerous by night, it is infinitely more beautiful. 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 Yes, white skin. Beautiful. And Jane waves an expressive hand as though to include the whole gorgeous confusion of tropic vegetation and brightly hued blossoms. From a nearby branch, Manu the monkey watches, fascinated, what he considers the strange antics of a pair of hairless apes. Tarzan, Manu recognizes as a friend, but what of the other? Manu swings himself closer, hangs for a moment, tail curled about the branch, one paw holding the stem of a vine. With the other paw, he reaches out and touches Jane's hair. Oh! Oh, a monkey! Monkey? Monkey? Why, yes, White Skin. Why, yes, a, a monkey. Manu, monkey. Manu. Manu? Oh, that's his name. Oh, hello, Manu. Come here, Manu. Oh, you're so cute. Manu grins and shows his teeth when he hears this hairless she-ape call him by name. He drops from his branch, settles on Jane's shoulder, and chatters excitedly in her ear. Suddenly, Manu stops. The lips still curled show the little sharp teeth, but now they're bared in mingled fear and anger. Jane's eyes open wide at the sudden change. Tarzan leaps to his feet, listening. This, then, is why the jungle is uneasy. The hated and feared enemy of the jungle is abroad, the Gomangani. Manu, teeth chattering, the fine hair standing on end, leaps into the trees and is gone. Tarzan looks down at Jane, points to the depths of the forest, and cups his hand behind his ear. Drum! Drum! Yes, White Skin, drum! Look, like this! Jane beats upon the platform with her hand. Tarzan nods his understanding. White Skin, go quick! 
rammed. And me and Michelle alone, white skin? Jane, right? Frightened? White skin, come. Come back, quick, quick. Tarzan signs to Jane to go into the leafy shelter he has made for her. The ape man knows he hasn't the words necessary to explain to her that the drumming means the Golden County have captured a prisoner, and the prisoner may be one of our own people. Nor does Tarzan know that Jane believes her father, Philander and Clayton, have already left the jungle. Tarzan knows, but he cannot say that he must follow the sound of the drums. With one backward glance, he springs into the trees. A swift, sure grip on the trailing vine, a lunge with his feet, and he swings like a pendulum through a gap in the foliage. With breathtaking speed, he leaps from branch to branch, swings from vine to vine. Tarzan knows that the sounds come from beside the water's edge. The blacks always follow the broad trail of Tantor the elephant. Somewhere on that trail he will find his quarry. Every living thing in the jungle is awake. Every jungle beast knows and hates the Gomangani with their poisoned arrows, their throbbing drums, their cleverly concealed snares. Tarzan stops. To his keen ears comes the sound, the soft tread of naked feet on the jungle floor. He moves aside. He moves the screening leaves. There, piling their way north and carrying Philander, bound and gagged. There are the blacks. Tarzan speeds onward. Now he's well beyond the approaching party. He drops to the broad branch of a leafy tree. Crouches, waiting. Meanwhile, in the elephant trail discovered by Lieutenant Charpentier, the party cautiously advances in the direction of the blacks' village. Train, Dono. The jungle seems to be deserted. Not only of blacks, but of animals as well. <laughs> Do not be misled, monsieur, by appearances. Every brush, every tree may conceal one or more of our enemies. We could pass within, but yes, within inches of them, and we would never know. <laughs> now that you mention it, Dono, I have had for some time the uncomfortable feeling that we are being watched. That uh, peculiar sense of eyes peering into my back. Those drums. One moment there in front, the next behind. They seem to move, to be all around them. I myself have seen this piece in a similar way, Balance. Uh, 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 most terrifying, most mysterious. These blacks, they are a strange people. They are like children, Nespa, but they do things we civilized peoples do not comprehend. But here, monsieur, your experience is no different from that of any who but arrive for the first time in these jungles. But how do they do it, Arthur? Ah, monsieur, if we do that, why, these men, these old-timers who have lived here for years, they do not know. Look, Donna, Porter, what's that? Something in the brush. Where, monsieur? I see it. Look, there, on the edge of the trail. Something right here, aha! Uh -huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! With an exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy! <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, there's a box just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it.
tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. of Edgar Wright Burroughs' famous book. What is it? It looks remarkably like a dead leopard lying on a dead man. Yes, Professor. And do you see what the man is clutching? Oui, Monsieur Clayton. It is the solar helmet of Monsieur Pilonier. It is for the land of sunshine. Wait, Monsieur Le Professor. Do not approach. It is possibly a trap. Monsieur Clayton, if you will walk backwards, Hey, Monsieur le Professeur will walk in this way. Maison garde, Monsieur. My men will first encircle this spot to see that there are no poisoned arrows or spears pointing to the place where Monsieur's helmet is. And I will go first. Aha, Monsieur. It is for the first time that we have the Lady Luck with us. What is it? Uh, yes, quickly, Darno. Is it... Is it Philander? No, it is the witch doctor. One of our shots must have killed him. But what's he doing with Philander's sunhelm? And Philander's binoculars. The witch doctor, he was probably going to make medicine against us by using these things of Monsieur Philander. Well, I can't see much to get enthusiastic over except we killed a witch doctor. But, monsieur, it is very important. This is proof positive that at the time the witch doctor was killed, Monsieur Philander was still alive. But how, Darno? I cannot see any definite co- connection. Neither with can that. I. If Monsieur Philander were dead, this witch doctor would not carry these things. It is for the purpose of tribal ceremony that the witch doctor wants the helmet and the glasses. Well, probably you're right, so I fail to understand. I think, in fact, I'm sure I understand. Somewhere I've read that these primitive people make images of the person or persons they wish to destroy and then proceed by concerted effort to pray them to death. That is correct, Monsieur the Professor. And in addition, to make their medicine more potent, they gather whatever they can of the victim's belongings, surround the uh, image with them, and the victim's death, I give you my word, is assured. All very ridiculous, I'm sure. And not helping us to rescue Philander. Ah, Monsieur Creton is young, uh, pardon, young to Africa. When Monsieur has lived here as long as I have, Ten years. He will not sneer at the black magic. But great Scott, Otto, you're not trying to tell me that we, grown, civilized men, are going to determine our actions and reactions, such as in this philander capture, by what you choose to call black magic? Ah, it's ridiculous. Preposterous. Ridiculous? Preposterous? Uh, hardly, monsieur. But here, we waste time. Allô? Allô? Uh, 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 don't you think we ought to take this, uh, this witch doctor's costume? Scanty, I admit, but it might be useful. It is but one more thing to carry. It is nothing. Take it. Come, mes enfants. Forward. En avant. In another part of the jungle, Tom. 
Tarzan, crouching on the low-hanging branch of a tree, watches the file of blacks with their prisoner approaching. Now the first black is just a few feet away. Tarzan braces himself. Now he's throwing the rope. It's a perfect throw. The leading black is caught in the loop. Instantly, Tarzan jerks the rope and begins pulling the terrified, struggling savage into the tree. The other savages stand petrified, talking excitedly. Now Tarzan has the horror-stricken savage in his grasp. He struggles futilely. A fearful wail and the savage becomes limp. Tarzan raises him high and with a mighty thrust heaves his victim upon the heads of the excited savages below him. The blacks, excited before, are now thunderstruck. Who and what is this unseen power? They mumble, wail, and utter weird chants to their dogs to protect them. The bravest savages begin circling the tree, peering upward. Tarzan, hidden from view, draws an arrow from his quiver. Slowly, deliberately, he aims at one of the boldest blacks. The bowstring twangs, and the huge savage shrieking pulls. Again and again, Tarzan's arrows with deadly accuracy find their marks. Bedlam breaks loose, and the remaining savages, wailing with fright, flee in consternation, leaving Philander behind them. Tarzan quickly descends. Now he's above Philander. He bends down. What was that? Tarzan listens. A half-smile crosses his face as he recognizes the voices of the Tarmangani. With a few swift strokes, he cuts Philander's bonds, and leaping from the lower branches of a tree, is gone. That noise! Quickly, Bessia! Almost sounds as if we caught up with him. Uh, By the Jove! Look there! Philander! Kill it, Philander! Oh, Let me get that gag out of your mouth. Oh, what a relief. Hey, uh, down, no. Gather the flash. Here it is, monsieur. Oh. Uh, now, now, don't try to talk, Philander. Uh, swallow this. Uh, that's, that's right, now. Uh, 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 now, let's drink. Uh, what, what a relief. Uh, what, what has happened? Where did he go? Did you see him? Oh, what are you talking about? Who goes where? The, uh, the, uh, the blacks, you mean? No, the jungle man. The man who rescued us from the lion. You saw him? As well as I could, lying there on my back. I saw enough to convince me. Uh, monsieur is diverse, distraught. Perhaps if Monsieur tried to tell from the beginning. Uh, uh, yes, Jimmy, calm yourself now. T- uh, tell your story from, from the time that you wandered off. Archimedes Q. Porter is a limit. Wandered off? Indeed, I was dragged off. Oh, then do tell us about it. I was asleep, just a few feet from Clayton there. Something I don't know what it was awakened me. I felt a sort of choking feeling. I put my hand to my throat, felt a strange... Just as I moved, it tightened. I tried to call, found myself getting giddy for lack of breath, and then everything went black. Uh, and then, skinny, what? Go on, go on. When I came to regain, that is, partially regain my faculties, I was being carried along by some blacks. How long I'd been unconscious, I had no idea. Suddenly there was a halt. The blacks dropped me. And from the ground where I lay helpless, I saw a black actually rise from the trail and disappear in the foliage above. The blacks excitedly huddled together beneath the tree, and immediately the one that disappeared in the tree was hurled with terrific force on top of them. They became wildly excited. Then I saw many of them who were nearest the tree drop with arrows in their chests. And then, with the most awful sound, the remaining blacks fled, leaving me. Before I could really collect my senses, it happened so suddenly, so quickly, this amazing jungle person released my bonds and vanished. My tribunals are first. That is astounding. I should like to meet this person. I have not the slightest doubt that you will do so, Darno. Uh, ah, Philander, uh, here is your sun helmet and your... Glasses? Uh, yes. Why, yes. How did you find them? Uh, on the trail. 
why we were following you. And now, uh, Mr. Garno, uh, much as I would like to, to push on to the village, I, I think this poor Philander requires a little rest. Not me, Archimedes. I am ready now. Uh, that is the spirit that will win. But consider, we will require to conserve our strength. So let us camp here till they break. While Philander has been describing his experiences, Tarzan has returned to the platform in the trees where Jane tremblingly awaits him. Oh, I skin. I thought you were never coming back. Back? White skin. Come back quick. Perhaps you thought it was quick, but to me it seems years. Oh, I was so frightened, alone. Alone? Alone? Yes, alone. Well, I suppose I'll have to explain that word. While Jane tries to think of a way to explain alone, Tarzan tries equally hard to think how to explain the Satam and Ghani are safe. Jane breaks off a few twigs, lays them on the platform, and passes her hand over them. White skin. Many. 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 Many? Yes. Picking all the twigs up but one, Jane points to it. Alone. 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 Tarzan nods his head, then points to Jane. White skin go. Jane, alone. White skin come back. Jane, many. <laughs> well, it's not what Daddy or Mr. Philander would consider expert syntax. But then I understand. Under. Under. Stand? Yes. Yes? Yes. Yes. Jane nods her head yes. several times yes. as she repeats the yes. word. Tarzan follows yes. suit. Yes. Then Jane shakes her head from side to side. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, no. No, no. Yes. You've got it, White Skin. White Skin, go. Jane, frighten. Yes? White Skin, come back quick. Jane, frighten. No. <laughs> well, for a limited vocabulary, you express yourself wonderfully. But enough school for today. We ought to be asleep. Asleep? Asleep? Yes. Sleep. Look. Jane closes her eyes, places her cheek on the palm of her hand, and pretends to sleep. Jane, sleep. Yes. White skin, sleep. Yes. Jane Porter seeks her resting place in the little leafy alcove Tarzan has built for her, while the ape-man stretches himself on the platform. With the departure of the blacks, the jungle slowly returns to normal. New Mother Lion leaves his lair to stalk his prey in the tall grasses. Tantor the elephant returns to the water hole. Baby monkeys release their clutching grass from their mother's shaggy coats, and excited chattering dies down to sleepy whimpers. Far in the distance, Dango, the hyena, howls to the moon and waits for the half-devoured kill of some worthier jungle beast, while Tarzan, lord of the jungle, sleeps before Jane's resting place. A loyal bodyguard, a foe to be feared, a sentinel against all intrusion. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media.
of the Apes, brought to you from out the pages of Edgar Wright Burroughs' enchanting books. Filtering through the tangled mass of leaf and vine, the darting rays of the rising sun stab the jungle gloom in little jets of burnished gold. From above sounds the screech of brilliantly plumed parrots, the ceaseless chatter of apes and monkeys. Below, from the dark green recesses of the jungle's tortuous paths, comes the soft padding of cat-like feet on the spongy moss. A shadowy movement in the tall bamboo, a glinting of black and gold, as Sheeta the leopard seeks a cool retreat after his nightly kill. A flash of green, more vivid than the sheltering leaves, a soft, slithering sound like lapping waves on a shingle beach, and hissed out a snake slides into the rank grasses. On the little platform in the trees, Jane Porter and Tarzan watch the ever-changing jungle await. Jane, hungry? Eat? Yes, White Skin. Oh, and you've already gathered the fruit. Fruit? Lump? Yes, White Skin. Plums, fruit, banana fruit. One by one, Jane holds out the fruits as she names them, and Tarzan picks them up as she lays them down. Ban, banana, banana? No, plum. This banana. Banana, plum, plum, plum. Yes. White skin, go. Come back, many fruits. White skin, go. Come back, give Jane many fruits. Give, give, give. Jane, give white skin plum. And Jane, as she says, give hands to Tarzan a wild plum. Tarzan's eyes brighten as, for the first time, he recognizes a new word not at the end of a sentence. White skin, give, Jane, plum. White skin, give, Jane, fruit. Yes, yes. Now you're really talking. Talking? Talking? That's right. Jane emphasizes the movements of her lips as she says the words. Talking. Eat. Eat. Talking. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, no, white skin, eat. No, no, white skin, eat. Jane moves her lips without sound, and Tarzan watches intently to catch this difference he cannot quite understand. Now this is talking. Jane, hungry, eat fruit. White skin, hungry, go quickly, come back, eat fruit. Yes, yes, white skin, talk, talk, talk. And Tarzan nods his head several times to convince Jane that he at last understands the difference between eat and talk. Tarzan turns as the young ape Jizan swings onto the platform. Kika, Belu, Jizan. Tarzan tries to explain that the young ape is Gazan, Tika's baby. He turns again to the ape. Agala, Bulat, Batando, Jan. White skin, go. Drum. Come back, quick. All right, white skin, but come back, quick. Yes, yes, yes. Jane cannot understand what Tarzan is going to do, but where before she would have been terrified at being left alone, now she accepts it with Tarzan's assurance that he will come back quickly. As for Tarzan, he does not have sufficient command of his new speech to tell Jane that Takla, the bull ape, is mistreating one of the tribe, and that he, Tarzan, as leader of the great apes, must do as Jizan asks, go to the dum-dum and settle the difference. As the ape-man swings off into the jungle terrace, Jizan seats himself on the platform and proceeds to satisfy his curiosity about this white hairless she with whom Tarzan spends so much of his time. 
Off in another part of the forest, Professor Porter, Philander, Clayton, and Darno press on toward the cannibal crowd. This almost impenetrable wall of trees and vines and everything seems endless. We don't seem to be making any headway. Well, we are making some headway. And in any case, Philander, don't forget that while we we are more or less bringing up the rear, Clayton Darno and the sailors ahead are really making it quite easy for oh, us. I suppose so, I suppose so. By the way, Professor, I've been thinking... Yes? I didn't want to mention this as long as Clayton was within hearing, but you know, it strikes me as being more than a mere coincidence that our jungle friend rescued me from the blast. And then come to the point, Philander, come to the point. What are you trying to say? And why should you be averse to letting Clayton hear? Because Clayton seems to have taken a most unreasonable dislike to this uh, pagan person. What I used to say was, perhaps Clayton is, after all, correct. And Jane has already been rescued by him. And yet, and yet, you know, and yet, what? Philander? It seems almost unbelievable that there can be two people living in this jungle. I mean, Tarzan of the Apes leaves a notice on the door of the hut, warning us that he's watching. Then this pagan, who neither speaks or understands English, is always at hand just as if he were watching. And unless he is Tarzan of the Apes, then why have we not seen Tarzan? For days, yet and night, the same thing has been puzzling me, Philander. I am almost convinced that this, that this night of the jungle is Tarzan. But, Professor, how do you... Uh, there you go again, Philander. One minute you try to convince me of something, and then, when I am about to offer corroborative evidence, you begin arguing against your own postulation. But listen, Professor. Can you explain how this man can read and write and still not understand or talk English? Yes. But you asked me a question, and I gave you a most emphatic answer. Yes, then explain yourself, Professor. Explain. Well, a compatriot of Darno's, a uh, shop for your by name, translated the Rosetta Stone. Of course, of course, of course. Right. I know and, that, and, I know that. And George Smith transcribed and translated innumerable tablets of cuneiform. Yes, yes, I agree. But what then? What uh, then? Uh, but can you or anyone else talk ancient Egyptian or Chaldean or Assyrian? Uh, of course not, but... Ah, but you and I, as archaeologists, can read and write both. We cannot, however, speak the language. Why cannot, therefore, Tarzan of the Apes have the ability to read and write English without being able to utter a word of it? Professor, you... you almost convinced me. Still, I don't see how he could have learned to read and write. Uh, I've not known that, my dear sir, Philander, is a different problem, but one which is in no way detached from the soundness of my previous theory. Philander! Porter! Yes, yes, sir. Sir. just reported that they sighted the village. Yes, sir. Oh, you how far off? Rather early, yet still, definitely. Then you don't know how many natives there may be. Ah, monsieur, monsieur! The end of our search is in sight. So, Clayton, just say. Now, monsieur, we do not want to act as if in any haste or with any fear of being outnumbered. But we want to be on our guard. Mais oui, ça va sans dire. That goes without saying. But we must not have the appearance of an attacking party. I'm afraid I don't understand. Here we come all this way to effect change rescue, if possible. And now, when we do get within hailing distance of the place, we're not to do anything. Now, Clint, you're altogether too impetuous. I'm sure that Lieutenant Darno does not mean to sit down and wait for the blacks to release Jane. Merci bien, Monsieur le Professeur. Monsieur Clayton, we have no means of ascertaining how many there are in the village. Therefore, to attack is foolish. They could shoot us down with comparative ease. That's not what I meant, Darno. All that I'm trying to say is, 
that I think the time has arrived for strong measures, not mere talk. Strong measures, my friend, are ideal when you have at your command a strong force. Now, we have only a small party, but we do represent the authority of the French nation. I propose to reason with these blacks, convince them, if I can, that resistance and our deaths will be avenged by the arrival of many ships and innumerable soldiers. With all due respect to the avenging arm of the French government, would do us little good if we put our head, so to speak, into the lion's mouth, and the lion gets shot after he has eaten us. At the same time, Clayton, if we ruthlessly attack these people, the first thing they'll do probably is to kill James. Oh, yes, yes, Delanda, I thoroughly agree. That is the thing I have most feared, though I have not brought myself to speak of it. Then, monsieur, with as little noise as possible, but with no attempt at concealment, we will go on. Nous avançons, n'est-ce pas? To Jane Porter lying on the platform in the tree, the breeze carries faintly the distant sounds of the search party. The girl scrambles to her knees, leans out as far as she can, listening intently. Again, the voices. Can it possibly be? Does it mean that they did not leave on the steamer? For a moment she's certain she hears Cecil's voice and then Philander's deep-voiced answer. She glances about. If only White Skin would come back. Again she listens. But the only answering sounds now are the jungle noises. The sounds die in the distance. Faintly in the lull comes the sharp crackling of underbrush, the confused murmur of, of what may be voices. Once more, Jane glances down the jungle trail. Still no signs of White Skin's return. In an instant, she makes up her mind. She knows it is a search party. Quickly, Jane grasps a branch. Yes, and the young ape, realizing the danger into which this hairless she is plunging, tries to stop her. Jane lowers herself, her swinging feet reach for a foothold. She then tries desperately to stop her. Tarzan is left hurt in his chair, but Jane, heedless of danger, slides and scrambles to the ground, and ignoring the warning chatter of his hands, rushes headlong into the You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. the pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' exciting book. Be quiet an instant. Uh, what did Darno say? I didn't catch. Darno shouted to his men to halt and be quiet. Then we must be quite close. Let's move up front. Perhaps we can see what's up. Yes. Ah, uh, monsieur, it is very strange. Strange. See, the gate... The gate to the stockade, it is open. The blacks must have heard us approaching, yet there is not a soul in sight. What next, Arno? I will go forward and alone. No, 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 Lieutenant, we can't have that. That's too risky, Arno. But it is very necessary. The place, it does not seem natural. 
It is not reasonable that these peoples would go off into the jungle and eat the gates open. Well, can't we take that as an indication that they fled at our approach? No, monsieur, I would not. And in any case, that would mean that all our efforts were wasted. Yes, if they had gone, they would have taken Jane with them. Yes, and even if they had fled because of us, they would surely have closed the gates behind I them. not exactement, monsieur. That is why I suspect a trap. And because you suspect a trap, we're to stand idly by while you deliberately walk into it? Oh, no. But I do not propose to walk into it. I am going to take a few of my men and encircle this stockade and see if perhaps there is not some explanation of the thing. We will be gone but a few moments, and we may save ourselves endless trouble. Oh, well, provided you don't go inside those gates alone. Oh, no, 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 monsieur. We will all enter together. I do not propose to split the party in any way. Come, mes enfants. Let us encircle the defenses and see what it is that we have. You know, sometimes I can't make Darno out. He's very cautious, uh, which is but right. He has those sailors under his command. Uh, it is natural. He, he's very careful that no unnecessary danger befalls him. I wasn't thinking about that so much. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about some of the references he made regarding black magic. What in particular about black magic, Clayton? Nothing. Only how can a civilized man, an officer in the Navy, really regard such things as actual facts. Uh, you remember what he said, Clayton? Uh, when you have been in Africa, as long as he has, then speak to him about what you believe and what you don't believe. Even if I lived in Africa all my life, I would still look for the practical explanation and not for a stupid assumption that depends upon witch doctors and the supernatural. All of these things are dependent upon circumstances. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Something may happen that will cause you to think. You think and think and think and think. And the human mind demanding a satisfactory answer falls back on. It might be possible. I realize that. But on the other hand, there's an undeniable inclination on the part of travelers to lay everything they don't understand themselves to, uh, to black magic, voodooism, or necromancy. Even in some instances, to cannibalism. But Clayton, there is undeniable evidence of cannibalism even today. That I don't deny. But I've heard men supposedly telling the truth go into exaggerated details about cannibalistic rites, when in all probability the cannibals were just plain hungry. Monsieur, monsieur, we found nothing, not a sign of life, not a sign. The place, except for some rather grisly trophies, is deserted. Then we advance. Much as I dislike putting, perhaps as Monsieur has before said, our heads into the lion's mouth, there is no alternative. Look, they can't have been gone long. There's a fire still burning in the center of the compound. And in the middle of these more or less flimsy houses is a stronger one. Possibly a prison. Oh, come on! No, 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 not too much haste, monsieur. In this case, it is better to proceed as if one were walking on eggs. Back in the jungle, Tarzan swings his way through the leafy pathway of the upper terrace. He has disposed of his duties to the ape tribe for the day, and now his thoughts are of Jane, waiting for him on the little platform in the trees. Tarzan does not quite understand the feeling of exhilaration he experiences when he thinks of this white she. Except for a tenderness for Kayla, his ape foster mother, Tarzan knows nothing of human affection. Nothing until this girl came into his life 
bringing with her this strange emotion which defies analysis. The ape man drops carefully, without effort, hand over hand, down the sturdy vine to the lower terrace. He reaches the familiar branches of the tree, that to him is as much a home as he has ever known. James! James! There's no answering call from the leafy alcove. Tarzan brushes aside the leaves, looks into the cool, shaded depths of the bower. Empty! He glances sharply about, sees the bent and broken branches where Jane has clambered down the trunk of the tree. No signs of any animal. That means that she went of her own free will. Suddenly he hears the excited chattering of Kazan, the small ape as it swings its way through the tree. Arundo, Luan, Armancani? The little ape dances up and down on the platform as it tells Tarzan that the white hairless she ape is out in the jungle. Daka, shoot. Up and Tarzan tells Gazan to lead the way as the two swing into the jungle path. Fast as is the ape, Tarzan is faster. From one standing swaying branch to the next, from one hanging vine to another, they speed toward the sea. Gazan drops to the lower branches. Tarzan follows. Now they come to a more open space, and there, looking about her, listening for some sound that will lead her to our father and the first party is Jane. Jane. Jane? Oh, White Skin, I heard. I'm sure I heard Daddy. And, oh, but what's the use? You don't understand me. Tarzan drops to the jungle floor. Instinctively, he draws the girl toward him. Jane. Jane, come back. Come back. But, White Skin, I want to go to Daddy. I know I heard them. Oh, dear, I keep forgetting that you don't understand me. Jane, go this way. Jane points in the direction from which she last heard voices. Tarzan looks puzzled. Jane is trying to tell him something. He looks at her. She stands listening. Again, Tarzan looks inquiringly at Jane. She shakes her head. The ape man frowns. If only he had some way, if only he could convince her of the danger she has been in. Quickly, Tarzan turns over in his mind all the words he has learned. He waves an expressive arm as though to include the entire jungle. Numa! Labor! Sheeta! Ista! Lion! Le- leopard! Many, many! Kill Jane! Yes, what did I know, but, but I heard voices! Jane remembers that Tarzan understands the word talk. She points into the dense thicket. Talk! 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 Jane, go quick! Talk! Talk! This time Tarzan understands, and motioning Jane to be still, he cups his hand to his ears and listens intently. Nothing breaks the silence but the swish, swish of jungle beasts brushing through the grasses, the crackle of broken twigs as some heavy-footed brute pads along the trail. Then Tarzan turns to Jane. No! Talk! Talk! Jane, come back, quick! And Tarzan takes Jane by the hand and leads her to the jungle path which winds back toward the platform in the tree. <laughs> Meanwhile, Clayton, Philander, Porter, and Darno have entered the cannibal kraal, where they hope to find Jane. Not a blooming thing. Not a trace of life. Very ominous. This silence. I, I, I almost agree with Clayton that some sound, anything, even being shot at, would be better. It is all so unusual, monsieur. So very different from what one usually expects to find in, in cannibal tribes. Well, I'm going inside this hut. What is oh. it? What is it, Clayton? Nothing much. Apparently a storehouse of sorts. Let me see. Ah, a collection of skulls. Oui, monsieur, and those on the spearheads are the very latest victims. Uh, so I gathered, lieutenant. Uh, very interesting. Uh, ah, mm-hmm. 
that is why I am examining them so minutely, Philander. Ah, they are all aboriginals. Thank heaven. Then Jane is probably almost certainly still alive. Ah, yes, Philander. I myself am greatly relieved. Then let's go to the next hut. Uh, that one there. Looks as if it might be the chief. That is the witch doctor. See, see, the leopard skin and that hideous mask hanging before it. It is taboo. Uh, listen, listen. Uh, don't you hear something? But where are they? This is getting on my nerves. Why don't they show themselves? Come out in the open. Look! Everybody! What? Yes, what, what is it? What is your great on? The stockade gates! There. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!